Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and disruption in media. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, we're back again. Hello, Joe. It's good to be back two weeks in a row. We keep rolling along. Yeah, and we've got a uh, good conversation coming up, so I'm excited about this. So what are some of the topics you think we're going to cover today? I think we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and women's sports. A little bit of golf, media. maybe. A little bit. Of, we got to talk about a little golf. Yeah. It's, a, it's the top mm-hmm. story in the business right now. Um, and it's pretty rare we actually have a professional Right. We, 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 have, we have most unprofessional people <laughs> right. in here. Right. Athletes. It's hard to get professional yeah. uh, athletes because uh, of their schedules, but mm-hmm. we have an ex-professional athlete yep. with us. Um, but yeah, a lot to cover, and mm-hmm. it should be a fun conversation. So why don't you introduce yep. our guest? So our guest today, and Tom touched on some of the things we're going to talk about, uh, especially on the entrepreneurial side, is Anya Alvarez. Anya, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. So uh, we met at a NYVC sports event introduced by a friend of mine named Kerry Keating at one point via email. Um, and I immediately was interested in Anya's story because she, as, as Tom mentioned, former professional golfer, went to University of Washington, um, got into this business, did some work at ESPN, covering various things for ESPNW, um, and then really saw an opportunity on the storytelling of women's sports and the empowering uh, of women's lifestyle uh, as a media property. So and Anya, welcome. And I was what's your name? Anya, welcome. So, it's all there you good. Go. There you go. And Joe, the pressure's on because I know I, I, I'm it's like the many first things tea. on her resume. <laughs> she, she's a podcast producer. Yes. So she will be watching how we do this. We're getting the ambient so sound in the room right smooth, now. smooth. So, uh, consistent. So Anya, seriously, welcome. And why don't you tell everybody kind of like your story in two or three minutes? Okay, so uh, my mom and dad met, <laughs> That's and where then it I starts. was born. Got yeah, um, so I I started playing golf when I was five years old, and I just had a passion for the sport from the get go. Like you could not pull me off the golf course, and uh, I grew up right on the course. And there's a picture of me in winter gloves and a puffy coat and puffy pants oh hitting in the snow and I just shoveled away the snow and was hitting golf balls because I just could not what, get what enough. part of the country? This was in New Mexico. In New Mexico. Okay. Wow. And um, But was there an influence from one of your parents? My dad's a golf pro, okay. a teaching okay. professional okay. and so it was just always in me and um, I always had aspirations to play professionally and I got offered a full ride to play at the University of Washington and had a pretty decent career there and then as soon as I graduated I turned pro and my first professional event was the U.S. Open I qualified for the U.S. Open and just like Tom and I did (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it was probably one of the most exhilarating moments in my career and I just where was it it was at the Broadmoor in Colorado Mm -hmm. Springs and you know I just knew after playing in that event I, I saw you know, how big golf can be in that moment and just and just all the fans and the spectators and the influence that you can have as an athlete. Um, I played for almost four years and after I left, I wanted to create a new identity for myself and I had always loved politics. So I thought I was going to be like the next Rachel Maddow and just be a commentator in politics. And Interesting choice. Yeah, so. I, just, I just did a full 180. And um, while I was writing about politics for a local paper in Oklahoma, I was reached out to by someone at ESPN, and they asked me if I would start writing golf pieces for the ESPNW side about the LPGA. And I started doing that, and I really fell in love with it because they 
they gave me the freedom to do kind of social commentary pieces as well. And that's where I really started to see the intersection of social issues within sports. And I reversed or kind of changed course a little bit, pun intended, with my path and started focusing on an array of issues within women's sports. And which then led me to where I am now. Um, While I was at ESPNW, writing for them fairly frequently, I realized that they weren't really reaching the audience that they wanted to with women. And I was trying to figure out why that was. I think the last statistic that I read, it was like 75% of the readership was male. And I was like, okay, why is that? And I wanted to find a solution for that. And so started brainstorming with uh, my co-founder of our company that we founded last year called Major League Girls. And we're focusing on creating content for the future generations rather than focusing on women that are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. We want to capture the attention of girls now and make them fans of women's sports at an early age rather than trying to convert them into fans later on in their life. So more of a Gen Z focus, meaning, yes, meaning definitely. Like college and on younger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting approach because I don't know if that's been tried before. It hasn't. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> for a while you were doing some work for Excel. I was. Uh, Kim Donaldson, yep. former guest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately they didn't make it, but they had a really good idea on what seemed to be a promising uh, business initially, uh, but you experienced uh, some work. You did some work with them and experienced kind of their ups and downs. Right. So talk about that and your kind of this old, not really pivot, but your view of this Gen Z approach. Yeah. So I think, you know, I was going to WNBA games and NWSL games and LPGA events, and I was just looking at who was attending these events, and I just saw so many young girls there. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about myself as a young girl and reflecting on, did I have any specialized content for me at that age? Did I have any storytelling around women's sports that was geared towards my audience? And I couldn't think of anything. And so when I started looking for content online, I was surprised that I couldn't find anything, um, that there was nothing really geared towards that generation. And so, you know, in in regards to Kim Donaldson's Excel, I think, you know, they definitely had the right idea because they were doing something, I think, different than ESPNW, where they were really covering women's sports. Mm -hmm. ESPNW kind of they have some highlights, and they sometimes put men's sports on the ESPNW page. Like, I think they're trying to appeal to the female fan and also someone who is interested right. in learning about women's sports. But Excel had way more of a focus, it felt like. Um my experience there was that they were trying to do a lot in a short amount of time instead of just like focusing on maybe like two or three sports and getting that core audience in right. from maybe basketball, soccer tennis and then building out into other areas um and there was a lack of video content too which is what i wanted to mention about how you're differentiating yeah so we're we're focusing on creating just video content for the most Mm -hmm. part we'll have some written content that will be geared more towards parents who have daughters who play sports like advice pieces Mm -hmm. in terms of college recruiting or what to feed their kids and maybe helping them with different issues that they may be going through puberty-wise. But a majority of our content will be video-based. Mm-hmm. And is it um, short-form content? I would imagine it's not going to be, you know, 30 yeah. for 30 leg, so. <laughs> No, I mean, actually, the goal would actually be to be able to do longer-form programming on places like Netflix or Hulu who have mm-hmm. a lack of content in that area where we can do longer story uh formed uh storytelling but i 
right now because our content will be living mostly on social media where it's going to be short form. I don't see any pieces mm-hmm. being longer than two to three minutes. Right. I mean, this is reminding me a little bit of a recent conversation on the podcast, World's Greatest, Yep. which is going to be a conversation about Olympic yep. athletes mm-hmm. where uh, the founder, Bob Siasek, has assembled, I think, roughly 200 Olympic athletes, and they're doing a lot of, sh- lot of production, uh, video production of those athletes, both for short form video and social, but also they're doing documentary like deep dives mm-hmm. for actual, in certain cases, TV distribution mm-hmm. or streaming. So maybe a similar sure. notion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Anya, tell us about kind of where you are in the process. What's been the response both from the business side and from kind of the buzz side? So we officially registered as an LLC last year. And I would say within the last six months, we've really began to make a real push in terms of creating content and, and building partnerships. Um, when we first started ideating this, there were a lot of people that were like, I don't know if this is going to work. Girls really don't like sports, but we did wow. focus Did groups. somebody actually say that to you? Yeah, I have, wow. I've had investors that I've talked to say that to me and or even question the, the fandom that girls have around sports. And, you know, we've done focus groups. We've gone out and actually reached out to these girls to figure out, one, would they want a platform like this? What type of content would they want? And we've... I feel like we've gotten a pretty good pulse of what it is that they want and need and also what the parents want. And now I would say within since we started this ideating this a year ago to where we are now, you know, there's so much buzz around women's sports. Now you see Adidas and Nike activating these huge campaigns. Mm-hmm. Bauer Hockey is putting more money into women's hockey. Um you see stuff happening in the UK where they're investing more yeah. money and resources into covering women's sports. BBC did a thousand hours of live coverage of women's sporting events last year. And I think they're upping it this year as well. So I think there are segments where we're seeing that people see the value of making that investment in women's sports. And I don't necessarily think it's out of like the goodwill of people's hearts. Is them making, business. Yeah, they're, yeah. Ma- they're, they're getting smart and realizing that there's money to be made. So now there's more interest in what we're doing because we're talking about who the future is going to be. So if we can end up partnering with these larger organizations, that would be ideal for us because then they can draw in our audience into their platform too. So... With the focus on teen and tween mostly, is that the, mm-hmm. the, the core? Those are the core segments. With social distribution, you're focused on, I assume, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat and YouTube, YouTube, and TikTok. TikTok is another okay. one that I, right. you know, my colleague knew about that before I did, and when right. I looked at, it, I was like, it's yeah, extremely hot right now. I was now, like, I'm so definitely not their target right. demo. Right. <laughs> I don't. Right. I mean, to be right. honest with you, I don't even Snapchat. Yeah. I I use Snapchat once. And I accidentally sent a, a message to the entire group of people, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is right. dangerous." I mean, I, when I when I tap in my Snapchat app, I immediately go into the Discover section. Yeah, because uh, it's a, a little bit more manageable for, for most yeah. of us. <laughs> um, yeah. So, in that regard, are 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 you guys looking at each of those platforms and making strategic decisions about what's and, and monitoring and optimizing kind of what you're doing and how you need to. Right. Things along the way. Yeah. So, so, so right now, our main focus is Instagram. I would like to figure out a way to build out our audience first there, and then look at different platforms to see how we can grow our audience there. Right. Maybe pull in people. We right now we're pulling together um, a a group of girls who are going to be social media contributors for mm. us, so that we're going to send them to WNBA games. Nice. 
professional soccer women's events and have them live tweet and or live uh, do live storytelling from there, interview the athletes and have the stories be told through their perspective rather than someone like myself. I'm turning 30 next month and the things that I'm interested in are much different than a 15 year old girl. So I'd rather them be the ones driving the content rather than me telling them what they need to Mm do. How are you finding them? Through social media Mm -hmm. and also through other people that I know who have daughters who play sports in different areas and just doing a lot of outreach. So tell us what that model, what do they look like if they're, um, if you're going to find somebody, what's kind of the following that you would like? Does it have to be big? Does it have to be small? Are you paying them? How does that work? No, I think, you know, in some of the research that we've done, I, I think we underestimate the the power of peer-to-peer influence, right? So mm-hmm. if there's a girl who has 500 followers, but 500 of those followers are girls or Highly kids that, that go to her school that right. she sees on a regular basis, that's more impactful than someone who has 10,000 followers or only 1% of the people are actually engaging in the stuff that mm-hmm. she's posting or writing about. And because we're looking at building a community of girls, and like we're calling it the Major League Girl Community, then... We don't care if you have 300 followers or 10,000 followers. We want you to be part of the community right. and spread the word to your friends. Because if we can get 50 of her friends to start following us, then that's a huge conversion rate, course, right? Yeah. And that's more impactful than paying someone who's a social influencer $5,000 to post for us, but her audience isn't even really the audience that would care about the stuff that we're posting about. So- I just had one one question on the content side in terms of focus. How would you answer uh, this question? What are the three most popular sports for girls currently in the U.S. for participation? And what are the three most popular in terms of generally defined fan interest? And it doesn't, uh, doesn't I would say, not just women's sports, but just sports in general. Well, I'm so curious about the, what you the mean, particular sports? target. Yeah. Okay. Because so, obviously that's going to be a factor of how you do your, your content. So obviously soccer is a mm. huge one. Basketball. Are we talking participation? Participation. Or, yeah, okay. Um, and then we're teeter-tottering between lacrosse and volleyball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, lacrosse obviously has a lot of momentum behind it. Right. And I, from my understanding, there's going to be a Premier League uh, professional women's team yes. next year. Yep. So as an extension of PLL? No, they were going. Well, I mean, there, there already is a women's lacrosse right. league, okay. and then there's talk of adding on on the PLL to okay. that. Yeah. So, so that's mm-hmm. those are the top three that we're mm-hmm. looking at. Okay. I think gymnastics, though, too. I mean, we see. I mean, not even from just the Olympic standpoint of all, you know, you have Simone Biles and you have Lori Hernandez, all these big names that really drive a lot of conversation around women's gymnastics. But then you have college gymnastics, which is really, really popular, mm-hmm. um, which I think we saw this last year, especially with UCLA. Like, they just absolutely killed it. Right. And you saw Caitlin Ohashi literally everywhere after she scored that perfect 10. So that's another right. sport that we would okay. like to explore. What about cheerleading and dance cheerleading and dance is another one i Mm -hmm. don't know i honestly haven't done enough research Mm -hmm. within that segment yet though to know i guess what type of content we would do around it go back to my question the participation the participation and and, and i guess what i'm trying to get at is the 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 kind of eternal question in in all these categories including women's sports is does participation build uh viewing interest in and uh fandom so, yeah. So on, so on the on the so participation, we got at those three or four mm-hmm. plus the extras. Now, what about interest in watching or consuming video, either short form or long form? Would it would it correlate to those few or not? 
would it correlate to them wanting to Meaning watch would, long, would long so- form? Would yeah. soccer, uh, women's soccer videos be the most popular content on for that age group? Would women's lacrosse videos be popular? So the we have a business model that I'm, I'm trying to decide if I should d- dive in too much in what we're planning on doing. But we're looking at activating special pages similar to like having a Major League Girls soccer page, having a Major League Girls mm-hmm. lacrosse page, right. and then having our main landing page where we have broader content right. around girls and women right. in sports. Um, because, yeah. you know, for me, I was a golfer. And to, to be frank with you, like I like, you know, I pay attention to what happens within women's sports. Um, but I'm most interested in golf. Like mm-hmm. I will read every golf think piece that you give me. I will watch golf videos all day. Men and, fe- men and yeah. yeah. And, but I likely, like if you gave me the same type of content around tennis, I probably wouldn't consume right. it. Um, so we realize that some people are way more specialized in the stuff that they care about. One of the things too, that we found when talking to girls is they really want to have more training videos that are geared towards them. A lot of the training videos that they find on YouTube, they're uh, filmed by male coaches. They don't use a lot of women in the pieces or girls that look like them that they can relate Mm -hmm. to. So they want to have more training videos focused on curate that's being curated to them. Um, So that's the type of stuff that we're looking at too in terms of these like special activation pages that we're going to be building out. In terms of um, where you want to take the business model, is it, is the goal to find a media company to drive scale? Do you need that? Or have you found investors who want to come in and say, we like the idea, we want to help you kind of nurture what you're doing from, from the ground up? So I think that's a great question because this is actually something that my co-founders and I think a lot about. Is this something that we want to try to completely own or do we want to collaborate? I lean more towards collaboration. Like if we could get in with a Bleacher Report, right, who mm-hmm. has a really strong business model and has done a great job with building from the ground up there's a lot we can learn from that my goal is to make this work so i i don't have this sense of ownership over it where i like i need to have a hundred percent control just because it was my idea i'd rather see this you know grow as big as it can as big as it can and for it to succeed and for it to make the impact that i think that it can make so if that means relinquishing control and collaborating then i'm open to that Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if someone wants to give us, you know, fifty million dollars to <laughs> build it out ourselves, right. we're Operators not going to say are no. By. Exactly. <laughs> Call one eight hundred Major League Girls. There's a man with cash walking into, or a woman with cash now walking around the corner. But uh, it's a good. It, it is. It's a really interesting question because we all know uh, that certain media companies and media outlets are not as are are not as evolved. When it comes to this topic, as others, risk averse. I mean, that's or, really or, yeah. One, that's mm-hmm. one way. That's a nicer way of saying it. Um, and I guess obviously you'd want to find partners who have the right attitude, mindset, openness right. to actually take it seriously, and not just say, "Oh yeah, let's have a deal and we'll throw you a few bones." Uh, we for, had for coverage, an offer, but actually, like, right. do right by it because a lot of it's going to be, in, in my opinion, and we talked a little bit about this off mic, uh, is about the kind of distribution and the support you get to build the audience, to get some momentum. Yeah, we had an opportunity, actually, when we even just first, uh, like, launched it with a media company that wanted to buy us out. But when it came down to the details, all they really wanted to do was buy the name and put a tab under their... Right. ...on their Mm -hmm. website and not really dedicate a lot of resources to it. 
and they were going to put me in charge of helping build it out and everything. But to me, it didn't feel right because I knew that the way that I really felt that the way that they were doing it was not going to work. Like right. I was just going to see it fold in a couple of years or just never really grow to see its full potential. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you've seen that with major media companies on the high school sports side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and companies like Fansided that, you know, ESP, SI trumpeted as like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And now ironically, as SI is getting ready to be sold after Meredith bought them, one of the pieces they're spinning off is Fansided because there was value in it, but they couldn't figure out how to put it together. Right. Fox had the same thing with college sports. So, you know, it's a really interesting mix to kind of figure out how... Um, where it is you end up and, and how you kind of figure out how to take the right money and then kind of build out the, you know, the visionary content that you had where it's actually mm-hmm. people are coming to you for you, not just for, you know, an ad that happens to be there. And we, I want to be in, I, I guess the one thing that I do want to be in control of to a certain extent is the type of storytelling we want to do. I don't want it to be watered down because there's a lot of real issues that girls go through. Like when they go through puberty, when they get their period, that is the highest dropout rate for girls in sports. And we don't talk about that. And we don't talk about the different things that we can do in terms of helping them combat some of these issues. Um, And I think if we can get down to the nitty gritty of some of these issues, that is where you have a lot of the real and honest conversations, you know, Whistle Sports is fun. I love their content. The kids really engage with it. And I know that 40-something-odd percent of their audience is girls. Is that right? I didn't yeah, know Yeah, so wow. they have a really large audience yeah. of girls who are paying attention to what they're doing. But they still don't dive into the other issues that keep girls from staying engaged in sports for a longer period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other side, one of the other issues, which I think is going to continue to be big, is the mental aspect of the pressure that's being put on and how that's being delivered and, um, you know, another really big topic that if you, you know, it's not going to be the happy-go-lucky topics all the time, but I think there's a lot of young women and young boys out there who are experiencing a lot of pressure and not knowing how to deal with it because there's no place for them to go to kind of vent it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be interesting to see how that plays out, especially as you bring in investors who are kind of looking for happy talk versus kind of deep kind of dives on things. Right. So... Um, what about the leagues? What have the, the responses been from both the WNBA and the NBA, the NWHL and the NHL? Has there been a response from the you know the major leagues as they're viewed? So I have had I've talked with the NBA and the WNBA. Um, they're tricky to deal with right now because of what happened with the women pulling out of their collective bargaining agreement. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's issues right. there right. <laughs> in terms right. of what they are capable of doing. Um, obviously I've had conversations with LPJ and working with them just because I have a really close relationship with the tour. So they're easy for me to work with. We haven't done a lot of outreach though, to particular leagues because they're not who we're wanting to work with necessarily because we're not doing a lot of content on even professional athletes. We're doing content about girls and for girls and a lot of peer driven content. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we're going to explore later down the road. But I don't, like I said, I, there's only, the thing is too, is there's only so many female athletes right now that you can rely on that will even really drive interest to our page. Mm -hmm. So putting a lot of resources into the few female athletes that would drive interest, I don't think is a good place for us to spend our money. It's also interesting to think, Joe, that uh, many of these disruptor brands that have been successful building a business in similar fashion to what you have in like mind. Like overtime. Like, oh, I was going to yeah. mention overtime. I was yeah. going to mention House of Highlights, Hoops mm-hmm. Nation. Yep. 
the, the list there's a, there's a pretty good list right now. Most of them stayed away from the quote official relationships, yes. especially yeah. with leagues, mm-hmm. not to mention media companies. Yeah. Uh, and, and they essentially built content. This yeah. grassroots yeah. socially mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. and social platform driven real audience um, growth um, that made everybody else take notice mm-hmm. at a certain point. Doesn't mean they get a deal with a league or or, or whatever, but it's an interesting way mm-hmm. to think of it. In a way, it may seem more pristine and attractive to the young people not having all the officialness around it, if you know what I mean. And, and you know, on, on that note, on the overtime side, basically what they did was they put out a shingle and said, come give us your highlights and we'll put people right. in the marketplace. So, so the whole user-generated content yeah. thing, which I imagine you're, you're thinking about vis-a-vis oh, yeah. like what yeah. you mentioned with the, the this little influencer network or contributor right. network. Because it was really, when you look back on how Overtime started, and I, just happened, to, I just happened to listen to the Recode mm-hmm. podcast with mm-hmm. Dan Porter where he tells the whole story, which yeah. is a good one to listen to. Um, it, it, it's really quite amazing how they were not actually producing any content. Yep. They were aggregating a lot of content. Yeah. And they were able to harness it in a way uh, that allowed them to find the cream of the crop, so to speak, in terms of creators featuring them building these stories. And they've actually evolved in certain cases, to long-form shows yeah. and, and, they, and they've added women's basketball now, yes, too. But yes. I would imagine an overtime-like model for all those other sports that you touched on is is pretty intriguing, I would think. Of. Right. Yeah, so. and girls like having highlights, too, where they yeah. can see themselves right. in the highlights. Right, so, Joe, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. Do you follow overtime? I do. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, do you guys I – don't, I don't follow it day in and day out or necessarily week in and week out, mm. but I keep up with it. But I imagine – a very high percentage of all that video is is boys. Yes, it yes. is. Yes, <laughs> that's why. Plus, yes, yeah. which is why I asked. I mean, I yeah. think that that's that's a really interesting so. window that that someone could come in and seize. I wonder who that person would be. Um, <laughs> other than you know, like I said, they've really kind of tried to figure out. Even the basketball stuff they've done is really women's basketball is college related. It's right. not really high mm-hmm. school. But I would think if you could find those influencers in soccer and lacrosse, which I'm sure I'm sure exist. Mm-hmm. But that's a pretty interesting Well, especially when you think model. about, so we, we mentioned four platforms as being the focus for now, right? Which would be uh, Instagram one, uh, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok. Three of the four are essentially just creative tools right. that encourage mm-hmm. people to start making things, start creating, right. start contributing. Um, so that's an interesting thought that there's an overtime-like angle here, focus on women, letting mm-hmm. young female fans consume right. it. So Zach Wiener's mm-hmm. writing this all down right now right. And, and he and Dan are going to go and steal the idea. So. Right, but they, uh, they don't necessarily have the right knowledge right. or mindset to do that. In all or money. Respect, I would say. So. Well, yeah, and, uh-huh. and it's, it, well, it's a whole different focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's a really interesting yep. uh, way to think of it. I hadn't thought about that mm-hmm. uh, when we, you first mentioned it. So we've got about five minutes um, and we'll get to our two questions, but where are you in kind of the fundraising um, looking for money, the type of places that you're looking for, and then what's kind of what will people see? So this is April of 2019. If you did this again in September, what what do you think people would see that's different from today? Yeah, so we are looking for seed funders right now, seed investment right now. Um, we have the the good thing about my team is we have the capability to produce a lot of content at a really low cost. So we've been able to be creative in some of the stuff that we've already done. Um, And then as far as where we're going to be by September, hopefully we will have the money to build out 
and fully activate the type of content we want to do. We have some small partnerships that we've established where we're uh, developing a series around STEM and sports and the different careers that girls can pursue in that space. We're going to be doing one around fashion and sports and the different Mm -hmm. careers that girls can pursue in fashion. You and I, Joe, we talked about this too, just like highlighting the different careers that you can pursue in sports that don't involve just being an athlete or a coach. Um, There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we want to highlight to girls. And, And the hope with some of that too is that even if you aren't necessarily interested in sports, there will be something that will engage you enough that maybe you'll come to our page because we're not just putting just content out about being an athlete. Can you talk about the business model? Um, What are the revenue buckets now? What might they be in a a year or two? So partnered content will be a huge one for us. We're going to be doing merchandise. brand supported. Right. Brand support of a specific piece of content. We're looking at a subscription model for parents for the subscription focused or for the parent, parent, uh, for the parent focused content. Um, And then, the other side is a merchandise page for girls where we aggregate all the different sports apparel that's out there that's geared for girls. And then we kind of figure out what is trending for these girls. And then we also do product reviews on our page and put, you know, whether it's a new lacrosse stick or new golf clubs, whatever it is, the parents can go to majorleaguegirls.com, see all the sports apparel and equipment for their daughters and buy from there rather than having to go to Dick's or Academy and having to filter through all of the stuff that they have on there. Um, The other thing that we found too with the conversations that we had with girls is they want unisex apparel. They don't just want their only options to be leggings and really short shorts or having to buy from the boys section to get something that's a little bit more loose fitting. They want to have more unisex clothing. Is there an interest in that age group? Um, for young women in licensed apparel. So when you think about all the licensed apparel from pro sports and pro teams, there's a ton. But what's an interesting development in the, the recent um, media landscape is the success on the merch side of companies like Barstool Sports mm-hmm. and even Overtime, mm-hmm. mentioned by Dan for sure. in the podcast. Uh, they ap- appear to be selling lots of T-shirts and caps yeah. and things like that. Does that translate to young females? Yeah, so we are we're actually designing our own line of t-shirts okay. as well. So we'll have our own brand. We don't want to get into the actual sports apparel side because there's so much that goes into that to make it highly functional for an yeah. athlete. No, I meant more but just casual. Yeah, stuff, just like t-shirts just like and caps hats, yeah. water bottles, duffel bags, that right. kind of stuff. Definitely we'll we'll be hopefully branding out all the girls in Major League Girl yeah. apparel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would imagine that the name Major League Girls turns a lot of heads and, and you know captures a lot of imaginations yeah it's, it's such a bold statement th- that's what we wanted we yeah. wanted something also that didn't sound too sporty i guess right. that if we wanted to evolve outside of sports one day which mm-hmm. i don't really mm-hmm. see that ever being what we do but it's it's a broad enough name where i think any girl can come to our page and feel like she's welcome there. She doesn't just have to like sports or be into sports. Um, The one topic before we get to our final two questions, especially with that demo is esports and gaming. Is it something that you're looking at? Yes. We're in talks right now with an esports camp that's focusing on doing esports camps for girls and figuring out how we can work with them. Um, We've had a couple conversations with game developers too um, I still don't understand that space enough to do anything there yet. So mm-hmm. I think we'd have to bring more of an expert in to help us advise on how we can create 
content that would be interesting for the girls, even if they don't game. Great. And then our last two questions. Um, how do you stay up to date with everything that you're looking for? And then you're launching a business now, obviously, but uh, I'm sure people have come to you. What's kind of the advice that you give to people who are either changing careers or looking to get started in whatever field they want? Yeah, so Twitter <laughs> is a big one. Ding, 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 ding. Check the box. <laughs> Tom likes that. Yeah. Um, and I subscribe to a couple of different news newsletters that are very uh, sports-specific in terms of the business side. So Front Office Sports, I think, does a really good job of aggregating the mm-hmm. most important sports business news. And then um, John on I'm always John Wall Street. John Wall Street. Yeah, Corey that's, another one. Yeah, Corey. that's another nice one that I really yeah. enjoy. Um, and then Axios just put out a new mm-hmm. one that yep. I've just started receiving. Um, and so it's good for me to see what's trending. That's where I keep up on the sports business side. Uh, Twitter's a little bit more broad in my focus mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. things that I follow. Um, and to your second question. Just before you oh, get the second okay. one, I'm just curious if you can talk about or, or mention, oh, yeah. I should say, any thought leaders and inspirations yeah. in the, the social or kind of marketing realm uh, women so, for example, you know, the, the when um, Andrea Kramer and mm-hmm. Hannah Storm were, got the uh, renewed, which was a big development in, in the industry, I think, mm-hmm. uh, by Amazon. Yeah. Know, Thursday Night Football. Are there specific women in the business that you look up to and you recommend young people to check out? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, there's so many. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know where but to start. But some seem to care about this issue more than others, based on my observations. Mm-hmm. So in terms of just from an organizational standpoint, the She Is Collective um, is the best way that I can describe it is like they're an umbrella of all these different women's sports leagues that are supporting each other and lifting each other up. And they do... I mean, they send out newsletters as well to keep people up to date of what's happening within the women's sports space and what's trending. Not not just, like, results, but how many people attended games, how many people viewed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when uh, hockey was streaming on Twitter, how many people were watching the hockey on the Twitter stream. Um, so they do a really good job of just showing the type of interest that is in women's sports. And because if you're not paying attention, if you're not keeping your ear close to the ground, then you just assume that there's no interest. Right. But when you are actually looking at the trends of, like, viewership was up this year for uh, women's college basketball, uh, you know, attendance is up for LPGA events, like, all these little things. Mm-hmm. Now they, and it might – it's not near what the men are yet, right. but it's trending all in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so the She Is Collective is an organization that I would just highly recommend for people to – pay attention to, to follow and see what they're doing. And we're working with them on the STEM series. Um, and I think they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Great. And then the advice. The advice of how to change careers. How to change careers. <laughs> how to dump what you're yeah. doing in Oklahoma in politics <laughs> and go into this. Right. Yeah. Get a call from ESPN and do whatever they tell you to do. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> I, I think you just – if my biggest thing is I knew – I was lucky that I knew that golf wasn't going to be the only thing for me, no no matter when I decided to stop playing. And writing was always a a passion of mine anyway. Um, But I think the biggest piece of advice that I can give is just be open. Like, I had never written about sports before I started writing for ESPN. I really didn't know what it meant to be a sports writer but I tried it and it worked out. Like I've gotten to do some pretty amazing things as a result of it. Um, so I would just say be open because I, I think sometimes we look at decisions that we're making as these permanent things that 
are happening, right? Like, oh, if I decide to go from this career to this career, that's it. I'm stuck there. And if it doesn't work, then I'm screwed. But nothing is really permanent, you know? And I think with the way the world works now, people transition in and out of things until they find something that sticks. So there's a lot more opportunity for us to discover what it is that works for us. And I don't think the evolution ever really stops if we allow it. Right, as I often like to say... uh... You know, th- this is not a life sentence when you get a, a new job. Yeah. When you're young, I mean, it's 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 one of the steps along the way, uh, and it's you have free will. You can do what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You need to start somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> like I made the choice. You know, I I moved to New York a few, about eight nine months ago, and it was really scary. Um, but I just kept reminding myself, like, if I don't like New York, I don't have to stay here. Exactly. This isn't like. Where did you move from, by the way? I moved from D.C. Okay. Um, which I think was, I live in Brooklyn. How cliche. I know. Right. So I get my $6 lattes every morning right. from a barista wearing flannel and covered in and tattoos. Your and elbows to get on the L train. Yeah. And I <laughs> dig my way in and, but you know, great. we like great. So, yeah. So it's just, I think you just have to not be afraid. So far? Just curious. Yeah. I like yeah, it. It's okay. been, I mean, I'm getting to do a podcast with you guys. So I have like... At Columbia, and she's <laughs> never been here before. I so have been Studio B. Yeah. yeah. She's seen so, Studio B, Tom. This is you know, I would have never experienced this moment had That's I not great. moved here. Yep. <laughs> All right, so how can people find you and Major League Girls? Yep, where do you want the followers to go? Well, I would prefer them to go to Major League Girls, which is just Major League Girls on Instagram. On Twitter, it's G-R-L-S because we had too many letters <laughs> in yeah. the name. Um, but then on Twitter, you can find me at Anya underscore Alvarez, which is where I'm most active. I think you'll be disappointed to see my Instagram is not uh, filled with beautifully curated selfies or, or anything your, or your like snap. that. I mean, your snap is not there yet. Yeah, either, my so. snap is not great either. So follow so me on Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah Twitter yeah, is yeah, where okay. I like to share my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of them. Excellent. Cool. Uh, that was great. Yep. Anya, once again, thanks for joining us. This has been uh, really an education, and you know we're we're fans, and we want to make sure that you succeed as best we can help you. Yeah, thank we, you. We wish you well with it, Anya. It's a really good idea. Thank you so I'm much. Glad you're cool. glad you're pushing it along. Awesome. Tom, another good one. Yes, never never disappoints. Joe. Take us home. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you uh, to our producers, uh, Tom Cerny and Royce Morris. Thanks, guys. Our growing uh, team. Most importantly, thank you to Anya Alvarez. Everybody should check out Major mm-hmm. League Girls. Uh, Instagram, etc., uh, and Anya on Instagram. Excuse me, Twitter first right, right. Yes. Uh, to make sure you get the best <laughs> yeah. experience, which would be Anya underscore Alvarez. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you again, and we'll see everybody next time on the Cusp Show. Mm-hmm.